0: Welcome to another episode of No Investment Advice. We've got our man Jack Butcher here.
1: What's going on, mate? All right. Afternoon, boys. How are we? Good, how good, that? good. How
2: visual- how's visualized Valley sales last week, man? Is he you happy or what's going on here? Not
1: too bad, mate. Yeah, we're we're, we're moving. We're moving. Are we you- got a nice floor locked in.
2: Wait, are you I like on you that- refer <laughs> to
0: it as a floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's an NFT. All right, one second. For new listeners as well, we got Trunk Fan here as well. Uh, right at the Hustle and uh, Elon Musk reply guy aka Elon Musk is now your reply guy and as always I'm Bilal Zadi as well Um, so today we're going to be chatting about our boy Elon, Jack Dorsey, Kathy Wood they had a epic discussion yesterday on the world of Bitcoin we're going to give you the summary there we're going to be talking about edge of the internet stuff that you guys have been asking for something called janky heist begging Begging for it oh my Um, goodness and uh we're going to talk a little bit about the billionaire space race and the difference between bezos elon and branson and if we've got some more time we got some some extra section for you guys as well um one thing i want to call out is the janky high stuff edge of the internet if you remember from the last episode we shared the telegram group uh, and the link is in the show notes below if you're in the group you would have heard about this edge of the internet stuff a little bit earlier so if you want early access it's all free you just click the link and join the telegram you'll hear about it first but we go. Not, and, yeah, not go invest- on. Gotta, not I have investor i got investor here
2: so jack <laughs> and Bilal have been dropping their latest nft purchases in there and i i don't want people thinking this is a pump and dump like i'm not buying any oh, of this stuff oh definitely not <laughs> yeah so, the-
1: we hold I, I, to this is the first time I've ever bought. This is the Part first the time policy, I've ever bought. We hold to zero.
2: Yeah. Well yeah. that's the thing, is like uh the I mean, you know how every podcast has a disclaimer like nothing on this podcast should be construed as invest. We should put that in a telegram group, just pin at the top. Nothing that's true. in this telegram should be construed. I mean, it's in the name of the group, but people are still <laughs> buying. We're still getting messages of people being like, hey, I bought a board eight because of Jack. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, those guys, are in, those guys are, in shape, but, are in good
1: shape. Those guys are in good shape. Yeah, I'm in good shape. Unlike well, us. You can't use we, that. Past performance is not indicative of future results.
2: Yeah. Yeah, this 100%. True.
0: This is true. All right, well, uh,
1: we're going to get onto that in a second. But Trung, do you want to kick
0: us off, mate, with uh, the Elon, Jack, Dorsey, Caffey Wood? Like, what what happened? It was okay. kind of breaking Twitter yesterday. So Three um, uh, heavyweights.
2: I actually didn't even know that it was happening, but obviously everything happened so fast on Twitter and I started seeing memes popping around. Of uh of Elon looking a little bit older, Jack Dorsey with his uh with his uh shaman beard, but uh yeah so the B it's called the B conference it's like a crypto uh foundation that puts together this conference to you know be pretty pro crypto. The four people on this kind of Zoom call was uh, a Kathy Wood from Ark Invest, the CIO and the Chief Investment Officer and the founder of Ark Invest. Um, Elon Musk n- needs no introduction. Um, and Jack Dorsey, uh, CEO of Square and Twitter, obviously. It was being moderated by Square's head of crypto. I think his name Steve Lee. But let's give a quick summary of everybody's uh, key talking points. Uh, so Kathy Wood was basically, when, when, when Steve, uh, the moderator, asked Kathy about her interest in Bitcoin, she said that her interest started in the early 2010s. Uh, when she had brought a kind of the Bitcoin paper and the whole idea of the early days of crypto to uh, her mentor. His name is Arthur Laffer. He's a very famous uh, economist. He invented something or, or came up with something called the Laffer curve, which is actually really interesting. If anybody here Googles the Laffer curve, it's literally just a curve, like a XY axis and, and it just curves. But uh, his whole thing was, um, you, the, the, you basically can measure how much revenue you can get from your population by the tax rate. So let me actually pull up the Laffer curve here because it just, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because uh, it gives an idea about Kathy Wood and kind of her understanding about uh, Bitcoin. So here's the Laffer curve, so this is her mentor. So for anybody that's listening here, uh, what, what you're not seeing is uh, basically there is a Y-axis is uh, the amount of revenue that uh, a government can get from raising taxes. Uh, and on the uh, x-axis is the tax rate. So it's really interesting idea. So basically you can raise the tax rate and keep collecting revenues from people, right? Up to a certain point. But if you start taxing people 70, 80, 90%, people are gonna stop working. So his idea was like, there's this rule that he put in place basically saying, the more you tax people up to a certain point, you can get more revenue, but after a certain point, it's gonna be uh, not as efficacious, right? So he's a very rules-based guy. But the whole reason I bring up this long-winded thing is basically Kathy's point about Bitcoin was that it's a rules-based monetary system. So that's why she was fascinated by it because her, her mentor had taught her uh, kind of uh, how to look at the, the uh, you know, macroeconomics. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Does it kind of make sense no, for you guys? No, that was a
0: good, that was a good yeah, link. Yeah. I, I was wondering where this was going, but <laughs> yeah, there, you, have, you brought results, the link right?
1: back. The rules, yeah. yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I was just going to say, is there any consensus on what that number is at the top no, of it, the curve? No, it's a
2: huge, huge, uh, it's a it's a massively politicized talking point yeah, now, sure. right? It's like, as you can imagine, anything around taxes is politicized. But people will just bring up that chart, even though there's literally no numbers on it. It's just like... Visualized just value, kind of, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like, okay, well, if we raise uh, capital gains of 40%, the people are going to stop investing. And then now we have less revenue, right? It's super politicized. But, anyways, that's her view, very rules based. Uh, next one I'll go to is Jack Dorsey. He said three things, two things really attracted him to Bitcoin. Number one was the community, and number two was the network. And he said this reminded him of the early days of the internet. And that's what attracted him to it. And then, as he, and then the two other parts that he kind of built on top of his two main points was, he's like, if this is the early day of the internet, that's the feeling he has about the community and about Bitcoin. He's like, internet also needs an internet native currency. You know, we've talked about this before. And he's like, I believe that Bitcoin is the internet native currency. And then the third part of the thing that he kind of added was, obviously, he founded Square. And the reason he founded Square was, I mean, actually, Bilal, you interviewed the Square co-founder, right?
0: Yeah, Jim McKilvey. Why don't you is,
2: tell the story about why he founded Square?
0: Well, apparently, I don't know how much of this is romanticized a uh, pitch uh, after the fact, but I think I, it seems quite accurate. So he was an artist and he did like some, um, I forgot what it's called, but where you blow glass or something, glass yeah. blowing maybe it's called. And uh, so his name's Jim McKilvey. He had a bunch of other companies in the past. He knew Jack Dorsey from years before. I think Jack Dorsey was an intern at his old company. And uh, can you imagine Jack Dorsey turning up as an intern? And apparently he was just this whiz kid, and he just like did everything. And everyone was like, "What's he doing?" He just turns up here and fixes everyone's problems, basically. Um, So the long story short is, Jim McKelvey was an artist. He was trying to sell a piece of his artwork, and uh, someone wanted to pay by credit card. And he's like, "Oh, I can't process the credit card." Um, And then he went home and he said, "Well, why couldn't?" That's a bit weird. Like we're in. 20, whatever it was at the time, 2010 or whatever. And it seems kind of crazy. I can't process uh, a payment. And when he started looking into it, the economics of that whole world, as you'd imagine with anything financial and infrastructure, is just super bloated. It just costs way too much money for a guy selling a piece of artwork or a t shirt on the street predatory. to use. It's predatory. It, exactly. Yeah. And so they invented their first product, which is the thing that little square white thing that you plug into the, the iPhone dongle. dongle, and it's very low cost and you could swipe it and process the payment. So that's kind of the initial idea. Um, and the the cool thing is, there's like a 14 part innovation stack is what he's wrote his book about and that allowed them to decrease the price of that uh, hardware by like 10X. And yeah. uh, it's actually legit. Like I've you've done business school stuff too. You know, at business school, you do all the case studies and you're like, oh, this is how they did it. And it was 10 times X cheaper. And half the time is kind of bullshit, right? Like it feels like they've just engineered it for the story. This was actually like, oh, okay. That everyone told him not to do it because it just doesn't make any sense. And uh, but they found a way by not assum- by not starting from the assumptions. So yeah, that's kind of the the background how they started.
2: Right. So the reason why I wanted you to give that background was the like you you touched on right It's a predatory pricing of the existing system. So Jack, uh, Dorsey uh, explained that that was one of also. The reasons why he was very pro Bitcoin. Uh, he does a lot of Africa-related initiatives, and the modern, and you know the, the payments and banking system in Africa is a complete disaster, right? Relative to the West, and the West is also a disaster, to be quite frank, in a lot of ways. And he's just like uh, he wanted uh, internet-native money that could be used by these systems and, and an average in, and people without having to pay predatory prices. So that's Jack Dorsey's uh, whole Bitcoin play in a nutshell. So just to summarize, he's attracted to the community of the network, reminds him of the early days of the internet. Uh, he wants internet, internet native money. And then Square, the entire mission is to kind of avoid and go around the predatory pricing, which brings us back to Elon. So what's interesting about Elon was obviously Elon was a co-founder of PayPal or the actual mechanics of how that happened is he founded X.com. Peter Thiel and Max Levskin founded a Confinity, those two companies combined. They're payments-based companies. And that started, that was around 2000. So they were also, Elon at the time was going after the antiquated banking system. We talked about it, I think, a couple of episodes ago about how his first internship was at Scotiabank. And, uh, and he was just aghast at how the financial system worked, right? And uh, Jack Dorsey actually mentioned that a lot of Square uh, looked to PayPal as the beginning, you know, as inspiration, and fair enough, right? They're very much competitors now. They're both going after the entire kind of uh, fintech stack. Uh, Square is about $110 billion company. PayPal's is a monster now. It's $300 billion. If Elon had never sold this PayPal stock, I think he'd be worth about $30, 40000000000 billion, maybe $50 billion. It, it wouldn't be that clean because they were acquired, went private and went public again. So uh it's not like he would have kept the same equity the entire way through, but it's just, I love bringing up that point because if this guy did nothing, uh, since selling PayPal in 2001, he'd be one of the richest guys in the world, right? Like one of the 10 richest guys in the world, but instead he bet everything on, on SpaceX and Tesla. So uh, quickly on Elon's point, I think, uh, Jack mentioned it in one of our chats, he thinks of information. I mean, he thinks of money as an information system, right? He says the main use of money is to, as an information system to allocate, uh, labor, so you basically direct money to places where people can work and where you think, uh, the, uh, where basically capital should be going to improve the economy and people's lives. Uh, so I've got a couple of points here about uh, his thoughts about money. So yeah, the, he thinks uh, at the end of the day, it's just all these um, heterogeneous, and by heterogeneous, it means there's just these banks that are not connected at all. They're connected via these old networks called ACH. Uh, that don't uh, provide for a very quick throughput. Throughput's a word he likes to use, like how many transactions can you do? How long do you have to wait? And you know, man, it's great. Jack, you still have to wait a couple business days for transactions for VV. Isn't it crazy?
1: Uh, it's speeding up like Shopify. And um, I use Mercury, the business bank, which is, I don't know if the infrastructure is any different, but it's much better than HSBC.
2: Okay. Yeah. But it's not exactly. instant by
1: any means Yeah.
2: Yeah, so that's what, so Elon was looking at as that information system. It's like, why is it so slow? It's like internet, uh, 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 you know, we're looking at text. And at the time, 2001, video wasn't moving that fast. But it's like, text can flip around the internet so quickly. It's like, why is the money system so antiquated? It's because, you know, it's all heterogeneous. Everybody has their own fight them. So PayPal is supposed to be a solution to that. And the other part of the equation, other than throughput and volume that he, was, he wanted to address was security risk. And, uh, he thought if you could have once one single ledger. Uh, basically PayPal was overseeing everything. Obviously, that makes it one point of security risk, but he's saying that they could secure the network. And that's why he's looking at Bitcoin as basically a lot of the elements that he was observing when he was launching PayPal uh, that he's seeing come together. Obviously, as, as a lot of us, uh, a lot of the listeners and we re- will remember, there's a lot of controversy because a couple months ago, uh, he had pulled Bitcoin uh, as a payment mechanism for Tesla after famously including it and he says because of the environment and you know the cost of mining and obviously that caused uh <laughs> that caused a video of what's the name Max what's the guy's name at the Bitcoin conference
0: oh Kaiser. Kaiser yeah, yeah. Kaiser
2: <laughs> saying F Elon on stage in Miami and looking like a total cokehead but uh yeah so that to summarize the three main points for each uh each, each talker and new, none of these are new, right? These are all been floating around, but Kathy was like, my interest in Bitcoin is it's a, it's a rules-based monetary system. Uh, and that kind of came from her mentor, Arthur Laffer, who that's how he thought about uh, the economy. Jack Dorsey was about community and network reminds him of the internet. And then also the square component where he's like, I you know I want to get rid of these predatory pricings. And then for Elon, it's a combination of it's been his interest for decades now. And, uh, and there is a component, I think uh, Jack mentioned, uh, shared with the thread before. There's this whole component around, can Bitcoin as a sink for clean energy make the entire clean energy economy more efficient because you have wind and solar and they're off peak hours. And it's like, how do you store this energy? And because of how Bitcoin uses mining and electricity to, uh, uh, to make money essentially, uh, they think that there's a way to kind of pull it all together. And I'm not smart enough for that one.
0: Well, yeah, that's yeah no, a summary. no thanks for the summary man a couple other things i remember because i tuned in for the last half uh that i thought were quite relevant well the first thing was on elon in general because he wasn't really trolling at all which was kind yeah. of refreshing like it was actually quite a serious discussion and i think a lot of people might have thought he might have gone into it being a bit of a troll like he is on twitter but they were actually all being pretty serious he was wearing like a bitcoin t-shirt um, and, and he actually revealed that he still owns Bitcoin himself, which he's Already. mentioned before. He also owns Ethereum and Dogecoin, and he, he I think that's the first time he's mentioned Ethereum. I think people assumed on Dogecoin. And then the second thing, I think he also mentioned SpaceX has got Bitcoin on their balance sheet as well, if I'm not mistaken, and yeah. I think that was the first time. I don't know if that's the first time he's mentioned that, but I read that in the highlights as well. So overall, it was quite a positive um discussion if you're kind of pro that world and i was almost surprised he wasn't trolling a little bit um he also was urging jack to ex to just like get twitter to do a lot more in terms of accepting cryptocurrencies from advertisers he mentioned and he said wouldn't it be cool if you could have bitcoin as like the native currency of twitter at least and there's just a lot more you can do um and and Jack Dorsey himself was the one who said if we had done that from day one if Bitcoin existed back then um and if they would integrated it there would have been so many things they could have built from day one um so yeah it's quite interesting the last thing I will say to to be fair on it on the other side Jack Dorsey said towards the end um, kind of like a pie in the sky thing, which was like, he thinks Bitcoin can bring world peace. So that was his like hope for it. It sounded a little out there, to be honest, when I heard it first. I, But I think his point of view was, if you look at how much corruption and death and violence happens because of corrupt monetary systems and governmental um, systems, um, he thinks that by unifying the world with one, you know, w- method of exchange, um, that would actually bring a lot of peace. So th- that's not actually a crazy idea. It's just the way he said it. It sounded a little well, bit well, crazy. We have to also address <laughs> the elephant in the room. Here we go.
2: We have to address why it sounded crazy because this dude. We hold on. Want to know why it sounds crazy? It's because this dude was rocking this beard. Hold on, let's pull up the actual YouTube video. Dude, I was actually I'm watching sorry, this. this is for
0: people only listening, um, click yeah, the link Trump's in the description. Yeah,
2: the visual of why people weren't taking it seriously. I'll tell you what's <laughs> funny. I was watching it. He was stroking his beard while Elon was talking a number of times. I was extremely, extremely distracted. But yo, hold on a second. Let's do this. All right, here we go. Let's look at this dude. Oh, sorry, guys. Let's look at the beard, and then I'll Lead show you that this, YouTube uh, funny
0: Premium dude. You got one of the
2: hustles UX, uh, our, our UX person did. Oh, there he is. He's stroking it, bros. Look at the. B-
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my dude, God! Can you guys see that? Yo, yeah, my my brother yeah. has a beard as impressive, if not even more impressive than yeah, than Jack Dorsey, and all he does all day is the impossible. And he not just, to plays with his mustache as well (laughs)
2: So let's summarize when uh when uh said that world peace is pie in the sky for the listeners here i'm repeatedly rewinding this video of jack dorsey stroking his beard (laughs) anyways that's why people are thinking that it sounds pie in the sky but here it is so i put up a beard hall of fame and uh I asked our designer Mallory Lee to make a beard. Uh, no no, no, this isn't the Beard Hall of Fame. This is the beard Mount Rushmore. So obviously Mount Rushmore has the four presidents. So if you' were to look at the beard Mount Rushmore, you got a uh, Tom Hanks here from Force Gump. <laughs> you got this is after I believe is uh, Jenny uh, dies uh, his, his wife or uh, his baby mama. And then uh, you got Harrison Ford from the Fugitive, greatest movie ever. Uh, you got super producer Rick Rubin. <laughs> and then you got Dorsey. Yo, well, check out the eyes.
0: <laughs> the eyes looking right. lean as hell, son. All right, um, so just a
2: summarize I for to summarize the have me- Oh, go, go ahead. on,
0: gone. No, I was just gonna say every time I see him with that big ass beard, like he just reminds me of like a hipster guy in London who's converted to Islam <laughs> like, like he's got the length to to be like a guy from the mosque that I might have grown up with, but like it's a little bit too clean looking you know what i mean how um, how many
2: how many uh hipster Caucasians have you seen in London with that look? I
0: mean, it's with the nose piercing as well I mean it's not as common <laughs> that's really that's pushing it, but uh no, all jokes aside, respect to him. I mean, I think he, I think he genuinely cares. I think he genuinely means what he's but saying.
2: Yeah, I, I totally, man. I know, I, I, dude, Dorsey's a beast. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying, bro. I think your message would come across. Although to his original point, right? He like he loves a Bitcoin community network. I don't think they care that he has a beard. But the question is, I mean, if you're going to like the central bankers of the world, and you roll in with that thing, it's going to be a little bit tough to convince them. But maybe it doesn't matter, right? We'll see. see Yeah, I guess
0: he's just like whatever by this point. Um, I guess that's why the three of them together was a pretty powerful... I mean, you literally got the richest man in the world or second, depending on the day of the week. You got Kathy Wood, who's like the star of that world. And then obviously Jack Dorsey. What an
2: unbelievable trio.
0: Yeah,
1: it's pretty incredible. Jack, did you say anything? Anything else to add, mate? No, I was just going to talk about the money as an information transfer idea that elon brought up and the we talked about dorsey and jay-z and like the idea that i think these people understand like the transition that's happening is like from institution to individual i think the fact that he even proposed getting elon on to talk about this is like galaxy brain pr right it's like who is going to draw more views to a Bitcoin video than Elon Musk? Like even Jack Dorsey and Kathy Wood, like they're titans of industry, but only the same people that know what they're going to talk about are going to tune in to watch that. Yeah, Elon, like by creating the controversy and then coming on to discuss it seriously, probably I don't know ten million more eyeballs on that idea. Uh, but yeah, the the four D, five D, six D chess idea of like elon's last piece of the puzzle you know transport power money it feels like you know if you zoom out to somebody who really understands network effects like money is the one piece of the thing that he you can't really create a closed loop system or start to uh, build something that you truly have control over or give people true control over rather unless you control the money issuance And then if you take the other side of the argument, like Elon's technically a beneficiary of uh, infinite monetary policy as well, right? Or his businesses, you could argue are. Um, But again, that's like big brain economist stuff that I can't go too deep on. But I think just fascinating, man, like the, um, the idea that, I think Twitter is still maybe the most incredible network ever built, even though like the usage numbers wouldn't suggest that it's the biggest, but I think in terms of like the free movement of information and the speed at which information moves, I think Jack Dorsey's arguably built the most like liquid network that exists. So for him to be a proponent of Bitcoin is, is, is awesome.
2: Right. And it he makes seen, sense that
1: the ideology maps, right?
2: Oh, that's a great point. I never thought about like, no, that's, no, that, that's super interesting. Actually, I had a point about, uh, the, I, I, I haven't addressed this yet on NIA. Uh, so I thought I'd just bring it up briefly. But then when people complain about all of the subsidies that Tesla's received over the years or how, you know, a car, like, for example, I bought a Tesla and I got $10,000 green credit, right? Th- this, is my, this is my rebuttal. It's very simple. If you look at any energy system over the past 150 years in the United States, nuclear, forget nuclear, look at oil, the oil industry. Do you know how many trillions of dollars the U.S. government, quote unquote, subsidized the oil industry with? Right, right. Dude, every aircraft carrier, the entire military was to protect the sea lanes so you could deliver oil, right? So you're talking literally trillions of dollars spent to protect an energy system because it obviously was worth it for the nation, right? So if Elon's getting a mm. couple, quote unquote, billion dollars in green credits, and I know he got some, uh, you know, very friendly loans at the beginning of Tesla for to build Tesla, I mean that's that's a drop in the bucket for an entirely new energy system uh, that's being built, right? One that's sustainable and one that matters to the country.
1: Yeah, so I might be way off base of an extrapolation here, but if you want to bring that back to the world peace thing. It's like if everybody is invested in the same currency, then you are all protecting that same thing, right? The, the the global goal becomes to preserve the integrity of the money network. By attacking it, you're destroying your own wealth. So, like this stuff does sound like uh, outrageous because of the, you know, the world has functioned very differently for the past forever right this is a completely different uh dynamic but you have to like even people who think 10 years out or whatever i don't think have the perspective that someone like an elon musk or a jack dorsey does right where like they literally envisioned a version of the world that didn't exist and then built businesses that brought it to fruition at like a scale that's really really hard to fathom so it doesn't surprise me that you know Somebody who's in the same room as someone that thinks they can colonize Mars thinks that they can like yeah. achieve world peace by, you know, no, totally. creating the adoption of some monetary system.
2: Well, actually, everything that Jack just said, I don't think the extrapolation is absurd. It'd be a lot more believable if your beard was longer and you're stroking
1: it. <laughs> I might get a little... I got a little Snapchat filter I could maybe put one on. No. For the listeners, Jack's giving himself a little... I can't even grow a beard, man. Like, I'm
2: like... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Asian jokes? Like, well, what's funny? My brother... Well, here, let me pull up my great-grandfather, the... Uh, anti-French, anti-colonial nationalist. Hold on.
0: Oh, that's the, the, the anti-French. That's where it comes from. Oh, yeah, <laughs> From the last yeah. episode. Maybe
2: that's my, <laughs> nah, dude, that might be not, dude. That's not my beef with the French. My that's beef true. with the French is that they think they're the shit. They roll in, they're, they're the sweet and stuff. Uh, yo, check out that beard, son.
0: Yeah, respect. <laughs> Clean.
2: Yo, that's a, that's a dorsey S beard on my great-grandfather. Anyway, that's
0: all. We can say that for another I episode. I also love his name, man. Fanboy. What was it? Fanboy, his name, sorry?
2: Fanboy Joe
0: PBC. That's amazing. All right, boys. Yeah. Good, good
1: discussion there. Uh, anything else before we wrap that up? All I got is, uh, this, but I can't find a, uh, BF version. <laughs> Let's Yo, do That's funny, bro. Uh, all well, cool, right. Well, yeah, maybe out. someone you
2: on will make, yeah, Um,
0: all right, boys. So yeah, look, that was definitely interesting. I think we can, uh, move on to the next section. We wanted to get the edged internet stuff. Up front, twenty five minutes in, anyway. So, Jack, do you want to <laughs> give us a bit of a background on this new project? You pinged it to me. Was it last? Was it last night?
1: Yesterday afternoon. Yeah,
0: Wednesday. So that is, um, and we shared that in the Telegram group with people as well. well let's Again, pull some
2: screenies. Let's pull some screenies. Yeah. Uh, screen- and just so while I- you're
0: pulling up, just one piece of background I was going to say is last time you shared the board ape stuff with us early, like episode three or four, and I don't generally get FOMO, but it's one of those things now where I'm like, every time I see it, I'm like, oh, come on. really messed up. Yeah. And well, it's just way explain, too far now.
2: Explain to the listeners why you have FOMO over Bored Ape.
0: Be- because I because I felt like when I saw the board Ape stuff, I thought it was actually pretty cool. And I was interested in exploring NFTs. I didn't know that much. And I kind of trust Jack- Jack's judgment of... Not saying it's gonna go up in price, but at least he's finding interesting stuff. But just at the time, I wasn't like ready to you know, go put the up time in price. into it. Let, you know, you're bearing the lead yeah, yeah. yeah of course, no, of in- course, <laughs> the price going up is. I mean, it could have been a literally a life changing amount of money by now, and it's only been a couple months. You know, so I'm not saying this thing is going to become that. Of course. But I've kind of learned that when Jack brings something to the table, I'm gonna at least check it out. You know what I mean? So that's uh,
1: the background from my side. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this one is like just in general, the space is like so saturated at this point where board apes like if you could catch a wave and mm. like ride it, that project has done that and executed incredibly well, like at every stage of the process. But the art was a thing that you look at and it's like that's the thing that drew me into it. And if like, if you love something to that extent, when you see it, you know, there's, you know, there's more people that are having that same reaction, right? Like great art divides and like you either love it or hate it. And I, I love that one. And then this one that we're going to talk about is like, it's a little different for a number of reasons. The first one is like, it comes from an actual established brand. So that I think is a strength and a weakness. What's the it's, brand called again? It's called Super Plastic. So let me share my screen. So I don't know if you what is it? What is it? Um oh man. The uh, super plastic. The um that brand that makes the little brick bears. Do you know those? The D- like don't think so. It's like it's like street culture, like oh, these little, oh, the little brick, objects.
2: The brick, the brick bears? I know the brick bears. I used to own a couple of them.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's like this big cultural behemoth thing, right? And this is the same. These aren't the people that make that, but it's that same category. They make like physical collectibles. Uh, Oh man, I don't know what's going on my screen share here, but the, um, let me just pull up this for an example. So they've been making these physical toys for a long time and they've got partnerships with like gorillas and a bunch of like existing cultural, um, entities, whether they're bands or labels or fashion, uh, fashion companies. And like the art initially caught my eye. I saw someone on Twitter posting about it and, uh, I just went over to the site, started looking around and they have this really interesting mechanic happening, which I think is high risk that... (laughs) like from their perspective because it it requires it to perform well for it to all fulfill if that makes sense like they're selling nine thousand of these nfts and originally i just saw the art and i was like oh that's cool and they were ten dollars when i got on there so i was like i'm just going to get a few of those put them in like i'll put them in a frame or something like i just like the art to begin with um and then i started reading into the story and they've again we've been talking about this on the podcast like People that have more resources and more experience and like more cultural. Um, I'm buying gravity. one. I'm buying one. <laughs> so this is the story behind this. Is they're like, okay, we're two dudes, and we've got this exhibit happening at Christie's this week. So this ran alongside a legitimate art auction at Christie's for NFTs. The story here being, and. This is reasonably hard to follow, and I've been looking at it for 24 hours. The story is like this, this, uh, this narrative that they broke into Christie's and they blew the doors off a vault. And in the process <laughs> of blowing the doors off the vault, they um, blew all the collectibles to smithereens, right? And then they've reassembled them randomly. So there's like uh, these combination of characters. Let me go back to the main page here are not the actual, uh, finished characters. They're like assembled randomly. So what you do, what they're going to do is drop rewards to people that have bought NFTs that match up the attributes across multiple NFTs. Oh my God. The idea that if you have like, say this trait body to infinity. So there's going to be a two infinity head and a two infinity pair of shoes. And if you have that attribute across two or three NFTs, when the auction closes, they're going to airdrop that complete character to the Ethereum wallets that hold all three of those traits across different characters. That are brilliant,
2: dude. Do you remember McDonald's Monopoly?
0: This- <laughs> yes. <Do> you remember,
2: <laughs> yes. bro. This is like McDonald's monopoly. If you got park place, nobody has ever gotten boardwalk. Let's be honest. No one has ever gotten a boardwalk stamp. Everyone gets park place. I know a dozen people that got park place, man.
1: Yeah. So exactly right. And like, this is different than some of the lower effort stuff where it's like, Hey, there's 10,000 of these. And some of them are rare. Some of them aren't right. And then it just creates a secondary market where you're like, Basically, greater fool situation. And you could argue that all of these are to some degree, but this one has got a mechanic baked into it, which forces you one to like learn about the project and two to sort of participate in the market. And they have a Discord where people are actually swapping stuff. So. Oh, my God.
2: Oh, to match.
0: Yeah,
1: so it's like, I've got one with this. I need one with this. Can I do
0: a trade with you? Sounds a bit like the playground, man, when you go and do the Pokemon cards or the stickers or whatever. Wait, hold on.
2: So I got to bring something up because a couple episodes ago, like back when Bilal started his FOMO uh, and, and Jack was telling us about Board Ape, Jack was talking about how the community behind it is just, it's done so well, right? Board Ape is on the Discord. It's so active. And just how you're building the momentum and culture. The genius, this added a wrinkle, right? It added mm-hmm. that new extra wrinkle to make it even more viral. It's so smart. That is so smart.
1: Yeah. And they got, they've got like, I think the art itself gives it some distribution because it is, it is cool looking. I posted a few of them on Twitter yesterday and I got some like decent sized accounts DM me like, what is this? They weren't going to engage with it publicly. They join whatever the Telegram reason.
2: group. bro? Yeah. It's all there.
1: You got to get in the, not investment advice, Telegram. But the, the one thing that like is a big uh, hurdle that this project's got to overcome is that I think they use like similar infrastructure to Topshot, So they accept credit cards and Coinbase Commerce, which is all KYC, right? So you're like, crypto OGs that have distribution to all of the like NFT degenerates that a board eight project could onboard in like 20 minutes. A lot of those people don't want to put their name, their address, their credit card into anything. That's not, that's, you know, not a blanket rule, but that's some of the, like the bear case I saw for this on Twitter is like, oh, the art is cool, but I'm not going to put my credit card in to buy it. Cause you know, that's, against the antithesis that sorry that's the antithesis of decentralization and crypto and the nft market but you know to take the other side of the argument it's like if you want nfts to become a thing at scale like you've got to accept a credit card or you've got to be able to get a user on board that um you know doesn't have to figure out how to manually complete ethereum transactions and all of that stuff so yeah i, I was I gonna say jack
0: just to add to, to, to that point i thought it was really I mean, I completely get it. Like if you're like a purist, which a lot of people are in this world, you're like, I don't want to use a credit card. I've got all this crypto. I want to use it. Completely respect that. But like you said, there's plenty of people who just are like trying to learn about this for the first time. And they don't want to, like, honestly, even me, like, I don't want to spend my existing Ethereum because it's like probably a taxable event. And like, I just want to keep holding that. Right. So w- with this, I'm like, oh, I, c- I can actually just like put in my credit card and I still had to use MetaMask and log in and like transfer it over t- to that, which I thought was quite a cool. Well, you know, they designed it fairly easily. Agreed. And they and I like uh, on the top of the page somewhere it said, like, what is MetaMask and like, why do you need one in the first place? So it's just this big education moment for a lot of people, including myself. So, um, yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty
1: cool either way it maybe is unwise to take such a hard stance against projects like this as somebody who is invested in the long term you know growth of the space because it's the it's the same old maximalist argument right it's like everybody needs cold storage and they need to have their seed phrase like on some metal thing in a fireproof vault under their house and so it's like if that's the if that's what has to happen for I'm doing a dumbbell, mate, behind you. <laughs> if, if that's what needs to happen, exactly, then forget it, mate. Forget it. It's not going to happen. Like you're going to have your like little hobby money network forever. Like the, and I'm not necessarily saying that you have to. That has to be this centralised thing. I'm just saying like you have to be empathetic to the fact that most people don't have space in their brain to spend fifty percent of their time understanding like the nuances of the crypto network in the same way that everybody who uses the internet doesn't understand TCP IP or servers yeah. or I like internet service providers. So anyway, just to like close the loop on this, the, this is a risky strategy too, because you have to get enough people to participate to sell them all out to get like all the mechanics to come into play and, um, you know, getting like hitting this roadmap that they put together, which is, a Japanese auction, which means based on interest, the price goes up. Here are the 22 originals I was talking about. And if you go to this, uh, go in the Telegram group, we've got the link in there. It explains all the milestones of how they change the pricing and then how they're going to perform the airdrops afterwards. But essentially, it's you know utility promised into the future based on how um, how you interact with it at the drop date. And the other thing I think is worth mentioning is they did this, They're Chris, they have a relationship with Christie's and today they auctioned like, what is this? Eight one of one original pieces at Christie's. The uh, the most expensive one went for $52,000. So this is a single NFT and the cheapest one was 17, yeah, 17, 18. So this is not like Beeple money or anything like that, but I think it's... Um, Indicative of an appetite for this aesthetic. And I think this aesthetic is like very closely aligned with like people who want to express their personality visually or the things they value visually in the same way, like, uh, brick bears and Supreme and this like segment of street culture has this very, uh, Like the, guys that own, or
2: the guys or girls that own like a hundred brick bears, right? Like, so I had a, I had a Bart Simpson brick bear at a, a Darth Vader brick bear. And it's like, imagine people, I'm like a total noob that have hundreds of these. You're saying this is in the digital realm for them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, and I think that's also another barrier that they're overcoming, right? Cause people love the tactility of those things. And may, you could argue maybe that that's why people are invested or display those. But again, you have to think like, what is somebody's collection going to look like in five years, it's probably going to be a digital architect builds a museum for you. You put it on your rented land in, you know, metaverse X people strap on their VR headset and they go and look at your (laughs) brick bear collection in there and they pay for a ticket. Maybe that's going to happen. Yeah and actually Jack the one thing to add on that original site
0: that you'd shared um, there's like a video as well right um, yeah and so we don't like have to play the video. video yeah which I thought was quite cool and it was, a, it was like showing them breaking into the safe or whatever yeah. and it was kind of like a fun I thought it was pretty well made but read I, I'm a, not like actually expert. read
2: the first sentence there's a hilarious read the first sentence
1: NFT event inspired by a mix of Japanese reverse auction and Hennessy run by two complete idiots slightly faded from paint fumes <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, the, cop, the the page, the way they've written it is hilarious, man. So
2: there it is, right? There's the, uh, there's the kind of the aesthetic of the project right there. It's like, don't give a F.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's like, again, same way Bored Apes kind of aligns with the attitude of the crypto space. It's like, it's sort of hard to quantify, right? But it just feels like it's got the attitude that maybe aligns with the, the crypto community. Man, you
2: know, by the time this episode drops, there might not even be any more super plastics available. There's only 1,700 left.
1: Yeah, so I think they're doing one of the reveals later today. But I just wanted to show this too, where, like, they've got some interest in – it's very similar to that Brick Bear thing. I'm not sure what – the maybe it's, like, uh, a second-tier brand to that. But I think it's, like – I think the art is great. Um, So I'll just show you one last thing, and we'll move on. But this is my spreadsheet that I've been working on.
2: In secret.
1: to make sure I've got all of the traits going here. So I completed that the set. Looks like your old,
0: the other one you shared with
1: us was the board ape one, right? But you oh, yeah, did yeah. this one yourself.
2: All right. So yeah. what are the numbers?
1: So this is, this is how many times those traits appear in the NFTs that I bought. So you oh, need one yeah. of each of every one to get airdropped the full character. At least that's what's been promised. So we'll see what happens. Are you looking? Are you looking at right it now? I'm good man. I'm I'm set. I'll set. I was in the Discord last night swapping and I've got it all covered. <laughs>
2: Hold on here. So, you're how many hours have you put into Jenky?
1: Probably 46. 46 yeah.
2: Dude, I don't understand how you're... Listen, actually, no, that's unfair. I do understand. Like, I'll go... I watched probably two hours of Yanis Antetokounmpo highlights from there the Milwaukee go. Bucks last night. So, at different strokes for different folks, right? You can go down rabbit hole. This is amazing, though. Your rabbit holes make money. Mine do not.
1: Well, this one we'll see. I think this is, like, a way riskier bet than Board Apes or longer play. But um, I think they're so cool that I'm, like... I'm happy to own the art, and uh, we'll see what happens long term. Because there's In a lot of things tech. that can go and if
0: the yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a
1: lot of things that can go wrong on this one. Admittedly, <laughs> um, and not having the like built-in support of like OG community is a huge. Uh, I think that's a huge risk because that's essentially like a bottomless pit of capital and support, um, which is not currently aligned with this. And they had a bunch of technical errors issuing the stuff because they're using like this hybrid fiat crypto like check out with a credit card and then get an email and then claim your nft so they're overwhelmed with people who that balls up that process or whatever so we'll see what happens but as you say jack when everyone figures it out that's when opportunity
0: is gone man exactly
1: so, uh, right mate exactly and you know i'm operating from a perspective of being up a silly amount on the, the board apes so Chuck a bit bit of gains back at something a bit riskier 100%. you're you're basically
2: you're just like you're doing the karma game man. It's like listen, I've already been treated so well by the community, I'm just gonna give back
1: well i i and I would argue that these guys are probably like further towards the corporate end of the spectrum than like the uh the individualized like they have a relationship with Christie's, they've obviously got some like sick dev team working on this, so it does cross my mind as well. It's like maybe your money is is uh should be also allocated to like up and coming starting artists that don't have the f- sophistication to like engineer these mental smart contracts. But it's also a learn by doing thing research for evolving the visualized value NFT game as a whole, right? So eventually what I want to be doing is like things like this that have these like mechanics of utility and community and like figure out ways to make art more. Um, interactive and interesting
2: so all the, I mean all this is you're building like it's everything just in your head right you're like you're about to drop something that's going to be along these lines you will
1: yeah yeah at some point yeah sick
2: incredible well, thanks.
1: Well, don't, for don't, sharing, don't, don't tell us yeah.
2: beforehand man we don't need the insider I want to keep everything above board here Good. I don't want people thinking because we're all on a podcast that like, we're gonna get insider access to VV uh, a special, free mine
1: uh, no 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 none <laughs> of that will be going on
0: And just to clarify again, obviously this is not investment advice, uh, but like honestly at at that rate, I I bought a few and they're like a few hundred dollars or something like that. And to me, it's like you said, like the, the ones I was, I was on it for like an hour at least last night, just pressing roll again, roll again. I was sending you a message with a video or actually I sent it in the telegram and it's kind of addictive like after a while you're like oh I'm looking for that one and then I found one and I then I'm like I need to open a new tab to hold that one in position <laughs> in case I really want it so yeah it's pretty fun man it's fun um all right boys let's move on to the next one um unless you have anything else before we we talk about going to space
1: no ready do it do it uh,
0: all right trung you had an epic thread and uh, this is the one i think that elon replied to again right um yeah, this, this was is about a- the meeting just, between Bezos and Elon Musk. So we wanted to break that down because obviously as you're bringing it up in the last week, um, yeah, both Richard Branson and uh, Jeff Bezos both went into space. So um, yeah, why don't you uh, I'll hand it over to you, man? Like what's been going on and uh, what's the difference between the two companies?
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll do something funny. We'll first talk about uh, Elon as my reply guy. So,
0: <laughs> we got a spreadsheet. Yeah, John's I got a little deck ready. you, got, you got laugh?
2: Uh, <laughs>
0: Not even saved. Untitled presentation. <laughs> <Yeah>. Love it.
2: <laughs> Untitled presentation I just put together for our YouTube uh, watchers, uh, the listeners. I'll just walk you through. So, I only really got into Twitter like last June, and the, the the way somebody described Twitter, I can't remember who told me that, but I love the description of it. Right? It's like when you play Fortnite, there's like a new map every day, right? And so you get dropped in, you're like, you know, if you played on Wednesday, the map on Thursday is gonna be a little bit different. And you're excited to see what's on the map, right? Well, Twitter is the same. Every day you wake up on Twitter, there's a new map and the new map is whatever's trending or uh, or the joke that people mm, have is, you know, there's always, one, there's always one person uh, that gets talked about on Twitter and your job is not to be that person. So like, I love that framing of it because Twitter really is just a game. Like I get the same dopamine hits from it. Like somebody that's good at Fortnite does. And, uh, if dop- if, if Twitter is a game, like Fortnite is, then Elon's like the big boss, right? Like he's one <laughs> of the guys that if you're talking about like who on Twitter is like the big boss of the video game or like, you know what I mean? He's like, it's Listen, people hit Elon's reply is like, no joke, right? Like people are going to be laughing. He's like, oh my God, look at Trump. Like he remembers every single time Elon Elon replied to him. It's like, dude.
0: He has a a deck with every single response.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had to pull it for you guys. You asked for it. But um, of course I remember, man. It's like. That's great. Right? It's like and you look at I I know that there's gonna be some naysayers, but what's so funny is every big account we know, they're hitting the replies as soon as Elon tweets, right?
1: I don't wanna take you I don't wanna take you off your momentum, but like if we go back to like the earned media idea, an Elon reply is like hundreds of thousands of dollars of earned media. Oh, if you yeah. want to translate it that way. Well,
2: dude, I'll, I'll walk you through. So this is a, so dude, I'm like a couple months into Twitter and I'm effing around, getting used to figuring, figuring out the landscape. Just like somebody on Fortnite. Right. And Elon reply. And listen, I'll admit I was a simp when Elon replied to me I was so new to Twitter. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. So basically, I just wrote about how Elon had taken his PayPal money and put it into Tesla and SpaceX. And then he replies, to be frank, in the early days, I thought there's a 90% chance that both were going to go to zero. right? And uh, the press and media uh, basically agreed with me. And they're probably right. I'll tell you what's funny. We talked about this before CNBC wrote an article about this interaction. So like, you know, you can laugh at me, remembering like Elon reply me, but here's, here's where it got a little bit absurd. So I'm just on this dopamine high. It's the first time, like second or third time that one of my tweets like really blows up. It's all because of Elon. And then I literally within 24 hours, I bought a Tesla because of the reply. (laughs) I went home and I go to my wife here. I don't want to sound like it's outrageous, we were losing or we were giving up the the lease on our Mazda CX-3, right? Just a nice humble family car. I was gonna get a CX-5. The CX-5 is a fantastic vehicle, by the way. It's a it's it's a, like a 20, it's, I think it's a $25,000 SUV, it might be 30,000, great car. But I've been thinking about getting a Tesla and I'm like, you know what? I went home, talked to my wife. I'm like, let me look at the financing options. We'll stretch it over as many years as possible just so we, the monthly hit's not too bad. And uh, I need it for this story. Like, you know, i That's a lot. the most
0: hilarious That's thing. Great. Elon responds yeah, so and Elon I bought a Tesla. Bought it. Let me buy it.
2: Well, here's another thing is, uh, I swear to God, I received delivery of the car, uh, about ten weeks after I ordered it, it's the same day I hit six thousand nine hundred sixty-nine followers. <laughs> this is—I swear on my kids' life, this is true—and I just, it, it, it's hilarious. The story just gets better and better. So uh, that's my first few interactions with Elon. I have since had a couple more. Uh, I'll, I'll post a couple of them. He—I posted this post a photo of him and Be- uh, Bezos this is actually the one that he replied to again. So this exact photo got replied to twice. He goes, wow, hard to believe that was 17 years ago. I'll tell you what's funny about that. Business insider wrote an article about him tweeting to that thread. It's just like, this is people just itching for content, right? It's like, it's a total non-interaction, but to, uh, you know, Jack, you talked about it. We just brought it up. It's like, he's the big boss on Twitter. He's like, you play that game, if he's interacting, people are writing about it. And then I uh, just wrote, um, uh, and this goes back I'll rewind it now to the start of this segment so well here you guys will laugh this is another one uh, I didn't even realize this one. Somebody took this screenshot. He liked one of my memes. Uh, I think this is back in November. And this meme blew up. I had, I thought I was like a genius. I was like, this meme started running. It hit like 1,000. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really going. I went to sleep. Woke up the next morning. It's at 15,000. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so good at Twitter. And then my, my, my cousin just sends me this picture. It's like, ah, actually, it's because Elon liked it. And you're talking about distribution, right? This guy likes your tweet, and it blows it up. Like this thing ended up getting like 40,000 likes because he liked it. Um, it is funny though. Uh, <laughs> so here, let me just go to, uh, yeah. So I, I posted a thread um, 10 days ago. Uh, I'll be fully frank. I reused some content, but who cares, right? It was uh, It was about a meeting that Elon and Jeff Bezos had in 2004 to talk about space. I'm like, if I'm going to reuse this content, what other time am I ever going to reuse it? It's going to be the day before Bezos goes to space. Right. And, and secretly I knew because Elon had responded to the, the, the first photo that I tagged him with, with the two of them. I'm like, you know what? There's a chance. Cause this guy's been taking shots at Bezos. He, he might, he might get in the replies here. So I did it kind of intentionally, but let me, uh, Let me pull up the thread. You guys will laugh. Uh, Trunky Fan, 2004. Okay, here we go. All right. So (laughs) for the listeners, I just pulled up the thread. Uh, I'll walk us through the story briefly, but uh, oh, damn, it's at 40,000 likes now. That's uh, that's big for a thread, man. But uh, I'll tell you what's funny about this. I knew I was going to pull them out because, or I had a strong feeling I was going to pull them out because three months ago, uh, Elon's kind of been revving up the beef with Bezos and, uh, here he was, uh, oh, such a troll, dude. So uh, three months ago in April, uh, <laughs> SpaceX here on the screen, SpaceX beat, uh, SpaceX won a NASA contract to do a lunar uh, moon lander, right. And, uh, and blue origin Bezos's company was also going for that contract. So. <laughs> Somebody posted an article about Bezos suing then a NASA asking for review of the contract. And then Elon replies, you might've seen this already. He replies, can't get it up. And then in brackets to orbit, LOL, right? Just totally trolls Bezos. But a lot of people didn't see it after. Dude, this is, he's such a troll. Elon took a screenshot of the New York Times front page, which had that article about uh, Bezos losing the contract. And he freaking like just uses his iPhone. He scratches out the origin in the blue origin name and then writes balls underneath it. (laughs) So Elon and April just totally trolls Bezos. And then shortly after Bezos announced he's going to space, which is why I wrote the thread. But yeah, I'll I'll walk through the thread super quickly. I'll I'll do super high level. I could probably stop the screen share now. But um, 2004, they meet. And what people don't realize is actually Blue Origin started way before SpaceX. It's almost two years before SpaceX. Uh, there's a viral video going around of uh, Jeff Bezos on Charlie Rose in 2000 saying that if you, you know, what would you do if uh, you could, you know, money or like you could do anything. He's like, honestly, I want to go to space. This was 20 years ago or 21 years ago. And so he had founded Blue Origin in 2000. Uh, he's friends with uh, Neil Stevenson who uh, in the sci-fi community is like a God. He wrote the book, uh, what the book book he write, uh, Snow Crash. Uh, it's about, yeah, it, a lot of the ideas, Snow Crash was where the idea of the metaverse comes from. And so Neil Stevenson is from the Seattle area, friends with Bezos. Uh, and uh, basically, Bezos tells him, Hey, I want to start a space company. And Neil Stevens is like, Okay, why don't you start today? And then Bezos is like, Yeah, maybe why not? So he hired Neil Stevenson as employee number one. If you go to Neil Stevenson's website now, he'll have a whole segment about his early days at Blue Origin. And basically, because it was so early and uh, the idea of a private citizen going to space was actually mental. So like the U S space program actually went through a really deep uh, funk after uh, the 1986 challenger explosion. I don't even remember this, but they shot a shuttle into space and it blew up. And that kind of put a whole chill on the, uh, on the U S space industry. And and we're talking like 86 so by 2000, America hadn't really gone anywhere. They hadn't been back to the moon since 69. Right. So like, America, the space race was everything in the 60s. It was like framed around the cold wars, like us versus the Soviet Union, uh, uh, um, JFK as part of his election victory in 1960. Like the big idea that he put out there was like, we're gonna get to space by the end of the decade, right? It was like this idea of the period of like big thinking and like how to rally a country around an idea. So that kind of went away. So in 2000, the idea of a, a private citizen, let alone a country going to space is insane. So Bezos starts a space company, but he, he, his tact was he wants to keep it small uh, based on his Amazon experience. He's like, I don't want more than 70 employees. I think that constraints build innovation. This is how I want to think about it. I want a lean team just like Amazon's a lean team. He only showed up once a month. Every, it was once, uh, one Saturday a month. Very low-funded project. Conversely, Elon, in, after PayPal, he put $100 million into SpaceX. So he got 180 million from PayPal. He put 100 into SpaceX, 70 into Tesla, 10 into Solar City. So the majority of Elon's PayPal money went into SpaceX. Now Elon's reason for going to space was very different than uh, uh, Bezos's. Bezos's wanted to build a space economy. You know, he's a full like uh, he's a capitalist. He thinks in the business mind, right? And I actually saw a very interesting parallel. When Bezos found out about the internet, we talked about this before, he's like, oh my God, the internet's growing at 30, 40,000% a year or whatever the number was. I need to be involved in this for like economic reasons, right? When Elon Musk found out about the internet, there's old videos on the internet that you'll see on YouTube, he goes, he talks about when he found out about the internet, he's like, oh my God, this is a global brain. So you think, see how they differently think about these things, right? And, and the same thing applies to space. Bezos sees space as a way for a new economy, a space economy. Elon saw space as a way to find another planet for humans. So it's very interesting how they think about things, right? Bezos is coming almost from a purely business lens. Elon is much more than humanitarian, like not calling him a humanitarian, but he's like, i'm a human like i want another planet for the he human race
0: he wants humanity to progress is the exactly, way he describes right? it right and the way he yeah. thinks
2: about internet is the same he's like it's a global brain that's why he's into neural link and the whole ai thing it's actually i would, I, mean, I think i need to do a deep dive about how different these guys' mindsets are right jack what do you think about that it's pretty crazy i was just
1: gonna say it's the beard it's the beard stroke in perspective <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something to think about so actually can I just give one uh, and i can't remember the details but uh, i heard someone describe it recently because the flip side to all of this is the kind of haters side right and i always like to yeah. hear their point of view even though it's normally annoying the haters point of view is there's all these problems on earth why are you going to space oh, you know and, and 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 i and i can understand without digging in why someone might think that um, at the same time uh, someone mentioned the other day something about the shipping trade or like when um people started exploring different continents, especially with... Yeah,
2: like Christopher yeah. Columbus. I mean, listen, yeah, he's yeah. not a good dude, but I'm saying when he it, was going to explore the new world, people were like, oh my God, why are you- we have all these problems at home. Like, you just have yeah. no idea what's going to happen. But
0: you don't know and you don't realize what comes out of that, right? Like obviously like some terrible stuff comes out of it. People got killed, etc. I'm not glossing over that. But also there were things that we don't even realize came from like the shipping trade. The example I remember was like, the twenty percent carry that we're used to. Oh yeah, like, carry in, insurance. In, yeah, exactly. Uh, like insurance- and the incentive structure essentially that has driven you know billions and trillions of dollars worth of economic development and development of people obviously across the world comes from that sort of like incentive in the first place and that came from people exploring in the first place because the shippers were able to take a 20 percent carry essentially of whatever they were carrying across the atlantic ocean or whatever um so anyway that's a that's maybe another history professor no we can add one more part to
2: your i'll I'll add is this is like SpaceX, you have to remember, they're launching these satellites and they're creating Starlink, right? In it's internet system for basically the two, three billion people that don't have internet. It's like the idea that the, the, my biggest gripe about that whole argument, because I want to keep on seeing is like we have global hunger. It's like, listen, man, global hunger is not a money problem. Global hunger is a logistics problem. It's a government problem, right? 40% of food goes to waste. Like this is not, money is not what's going to solve the global hunger problem. The, the solutions have to do with policy, has to do with infrastructure, I mean, it has to do with logistics, like things we already have in place. It just needs to be managed way better. So, and then a lot of these other criticisms are just like, yeah, it's just, it's just totally-
0: Anti-billionaire like, sentiment. Money and, is not
2: the problem here, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, A lot of the problems here are not money related. It, it's government related, right? Uh, not to say that obviously billionaires couldn't, pay more taxes in some capacity or maybe contribute to other programs. But I think the space race is a very valid thing to be happening. I think there's going to be a lot of positive offshoots from it.
1: Well, Completely. I, but one of the, like, I think one of the most basic things, you can go down the sailor rabbit hole on this, but it's the human, like humanity advances based on how effectively it can channel energy. So you imagine these experiments, the output of these experiments is essentially going to advance the ability to channel energy, right? Like essentially breaking the laws of not breaking the laws of physics, but breaking the things that humans were able to do under their current understanding of the technology that we have is like, maybe it's controversial to say, but trickle down innovation. There's a great book by Matt Ridley. If you haven't read it called how innovation works, you've read this book, but the opening paragraph is like, you're sitting in your living room, uh, in the uk your fire is lit with russian gas you're like drinking french wine you're eating like uh you're eating spanish food like spanish parma ham whatever else and it's like all of these things are the result of like you're saying tron people investing in uh infrastructure and systems that make goods and services move more, uh, right. fluidly around the world. And then you could take all of this back up to our, uh, original point, which is like, if you have a monetary system that is more, um, that is fairer and more transparent, maybe that like adds some, um, liquidity to these problems too. It doesn't get stuck and held up in the same capacities that it does now with all the conflicting incentives that exist
2: no 100 percent. i think uh totally agree with that entire premise i that that is a great book by the way i have read that um maybe we should talk about it in one of the episodes can i
0: just add drunk as well i think this is actually a really interesting discussion around like the it's it's just kind of sad to me that we've got to a stage where This is something we used to just celebrate across the board that someone literally, you know, not defending every single thing Jeff Bezos has done, of course, but like the fact that someone like him quit his job, built something that literally was like every pocket of the world is using this thing he made. Um, And we just got so used to all the stuff that we get basically for free, Um, like the same with Google and Facebook for all the bad things that we can complain about in government or whatever uh, that they've been talking about in government. man we literally open up a tab right now and literally ask any question in the world and and get access to like mit professors explaining stuff for free on internet and a person in india can listen to that as well
1: as you in canada we just got so used to it i would say one like stark example is like would you rather have the us government run the healthcare system or jeff bezos
2: oh dude the They, how much a drug's
1: going to cost in COVID, either scenario.
2: Right. COVID would have been beaten, man, frankly, to be honest, my view, I mean, there's a tweet early in the pandemic. It's like, man, just give the vaccine to these guys. It's like, they know how to, I mean, they understand logistics. Right. And, uh, Man, it's just so hard. Listen, I'm parodying what Bilal says. Like, Just because you can say this doesn't mean you're agreeing with every single thing they do. But, exactly. But, the, but, the other, but this is the this is the contra, right? It's like the complainers, they pretend like nothing is positive. And you know they're buying Amazon. You know they're using Prime. Yeah, that's the your-
0: biggest thing. They're, they're, they're normally not... Like they're not, they're speaking with their words, but they're acting in a completely different way. And just one other example I'd give, sorry, Trang, is is like when I worked at the charity for a couple of years, that was the biggest eye-opener for me because I came from this like business world where traditionally we would think the whole nonprofit sector is just inefficient, which generally speaking, a lot of it is. But when I got there, I was like, okay, let me go with an open mind and see what this is about. And I started realizing all the things I just didn't know anything about. At the same time, I would meet so many people who, majority of people like, oh, that's cool what you're working on, whatever. But then there was always just that cynical person who would just be like, oh, well, those rich people, they're just giving it to get their tax back, aren't they? And uh, and then, and they could just never see the good, no matter what you are doing or whatever totally. anyone was doing. And, and again, with all these things, this nuance, yeah, they did get a tax uh, incentive, and that's why it's there. It's because it's a good thing for society to in- incentivize that. But like, I just know those people personally, and I've met a lot of them. Like, they don't need to be doing giving that much money the way they do. Like a lot of them. So it's just, it's, I think, no matter so what, crazy. there's always that cynical person who's gonna. Who's well, just, dude, I
2: can't post about big tech without. Oh, I know for a fact I'm gonna yeah. get a half a dozen. Oh, we need to tax them more. It's like, oh my god, this you know, guaranteed, right? I just, I literally just mute them. I'm like, dude, these people aren't interested in having com- a real conversation. They yeah, literally is not really the
1: place for that nuanced discussion, yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah, but but like, I'll I'll take the not the counter side, but I will take the like cultural, like the feeling of the hive mind essentially is like technology is killing the middle. Right. So the, 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 what Amazon does to small businesses is the most inevitable thing in the world. Even what Yelp does to restaurants, right? Like the advancement of like, what's the Naval quote, technology democratizes production, but consolidates consumption. So if you're the best of the world at anything, you get to do it for everyone. So what that does, I think, leads us to an inevitable place where it's like you're either this incredibly huge monopoly or you're this like hyper specialized individual person or really, really small group of people that do something uh, unique. And I think people are like feeling that even if they can't articulate it, or they're not um, like invested in. Investors are the wrong word. They're not like literate in some of the ways that this machine works. Right. Where it's just like a, I feel like somebody tweeted this a long time ago. Um, your culture isn't changing, it's dying. Like, you know, people complain about culture changing. It's not changing. It's dead. Like, yeah. this is like your way of life is deteriorating in front of you or like, you know, rose-tinted glasses on the past and all of these ideas that, oh, if we could go back to 10 years ago, life the would good be old much, yeah, much better. And then if you actually look at, you know, some of the indicators there, like, I don't know, child mortality or like how many people have access to like- food shelter etc cetera, etc cetera. like if you're able to take that macro view which i empathize with people that aren't in a situation where you can like the way you respond is like if person x paid more taxes then this problem would be fixed it's like cuz people want to point a finger
0: at something that isn't themselves and sometimes there is a finger to point at like there's something to point at but th- th- anyway this is a bigger discussion around <laughs> yeah, like i got one i got one responsibility closing, but go on,
1: go on i got one closing point i don't um We'll have to link this tweet. it said, "If you think Jeff Bezos going to space is a waste of money, wait till you learn about the government."
2: Yeah, yeah no, I saw 100%.
1: that. I saw that. That was brilliant. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, so I'll just I'll just rewind and then uh, jump quickly back into I don't want to waste too much time on it. Is uh, so early two thousands. You know, governments have stopped going to space. Nations have stopped going to space. So you have these private citizens now that want that they have the means and the desire to go to space. And Blue Urgent started before SpaceX. But SpaceX, again, Elon put a lot more money into it right from the bat. He's like, we need, he has urgency, right? This is what I'm talking about. His mission is different from Bezos' mission. He wants humanity to have another planet. Whether or not I agree with it, I mean, I think his logic is pretty clear. It's like, we only have one right now. It's like, probably should have a backup. Um, so he initially wanted to only send uh, a mouse, I meant rats, to space just to make people believe you could still do it, right? He wanted to get, that kind of the hype going again. So he went to what's crazy with him. He actually flew to Russia and tried to buy three ICBM rockets. I do Let me mean, think about how crazy. That is this guy gets 180 mil and literally could just be on an island for the rest of his life. And I know some people were like, Oh, that's outrageous. Just crazy billionaire thinking. And he wasn't a billionaire at the time, but it's like, this guy flew to Russia was ready to plump 30 mil to buy three rockets, just to hype people up about Mars again in space. But, um, Anyways, the, uh, SpaceX gets going. It launches its first rocket in 2008. I mean, it's pretty, I mean, if you watch some of that stuff, very emotional. It was like, it was like their, their, their first three like blew up and they're basically down in the fourth one. Like if the fourth one didn't work. They weren't going to get the government contracts. And like, that was the end of it. Right. So like a lot of, uh, a lot of crazy of these near death moments, but yeah, so SpaceX has been way ahead for a long time. And the mindshare has been there and the Bezos. Around 2017, he's just like, he's like, What's going on? Why are we so slow at Blue Origin? It's because you haven't gone all in yet. So he's like, that's when he started saying, I'm gonna sell a billion a year in Amazon stock to fund Blue Origin. And that basically takes us four years later. He's in space. He's probably gonna be CEO of Blue Origin now. If you've seen some of the videos that came back, this dude's so pumped. It's like what yeah. else is he gonna do? Right. And uh, yeah, so I think uh, I think to summarize is Bezos and Musk have two very different views on space, just like they have different views on the internet. And it's so interesting how they think about it. I actually think Musk is uh, just from a, if you're playing persuasion mindset, his reasons for going to space are much more human, right? It's like, I want to extend humanity's opportunity. I want to give us another planet. Uh, Bezos wants to build a trillion dollar economy in space. It's like, I, I think if you're looking at the two of them,
0: which is incredible in its own way. That, just the thought of that is sounds yeah, crazy. It's crazy, like, right? What, it's like, don't it, even know what that know. looks like. Like, what the hell is going on out it's there? It's just
2: so, it, yeah, it's just almost un. That's why people get upset, too. There's like, this. I mean, Jack brought this up in a previous episode. It's like, you can't even comprehend the timelines that Elon's thinking on, right? And, I mean, and, and it's showing <laughs> the guy is stressed. <laughs> if you're looking at the, the B conference video, he's looking a little bit older now. You're looking a
0: little thick. But, I'm not gonna lie, but yeah.
2: And uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's funny, super interesting. Uh, if I were to say like, who's going to quote unquote win the race? I I think because of Musk's vision, uh, I think you're going to attract more people to that. It's like you know, do you like? Are you do you want to build a trillion dollar economy in space, or do you want to save humanity? Right? That like that's the thing about. So Jason Calacanis. The VC and the uh, co-host of uh, All In podcast, he loves talking about. was like the problem with betting against Elon is like you're betting against humanity, right? Is like what is this guy trying to accomplish? He's like trying to get us a renewable, sustainable energy system, and he wants to get us to another planet. A lot of people think that's hubris, uh, or however you say that word, it's like arrogance. But it's like man, it's like if you think about it from a top level, it's very persuasive what he's trying to accomplish. So, anyways, that's that's kind of yeah, the SpaceX blue order. The
0: breakdown, man. Yeah, that's super interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I will say that it's kind of cool just to have people excited about space again. And I'm not like a big space geek or anything. And even for me, I was watching the video and I was just thinking, man, can you imagine looking out that window and looking down on Earth? Like that is, it's already, when you're in the sky or in a plane, it's already kind of incredible. We've got so used to doing it, but when you look down and you're flying through mountains or like looking at the ocean, it sounds kind of like, cheesy but like man it's kind of incredible imagine doing that in space looking down and being like wow that's
2: no i I don't know how
0: you'd feel yeah it's it's take you on to another level man so super cool man um Mm -hmm. boys how are we doing for time we got we got time for jack's last thing on satoshi branding or uh trung how you doing do you need to pick up your no kitchen? no i
2: can uh, if you guys want to rip through five ten minutes uh do we have any reader cool. questions i'm happy to top off
0: with I the think maybe we just do jack do, do you fancy doing your your yeah, satoshi branding it. i thought it was, it was pretty cool the way you did this so while jack's pulling up his screen um jack started tweeting out that there needs to be a universal sign for satoshis the kind of unit n- not bitcoin but the smaller unit so yeah i'll let you, you see uh, this? explain it from your side yeah it looks great maybe yeah, zoom so, in a little bit if you can
1: so someone messaged me i think there's a, been a few efforts to brand satoshi's right obviously bitcoin's got the the orange b and the one of the biggest i think public relations issues or like adoption and messaging issues that bitcoin has like i can't afford a single bitcoin right or like it's just very unrelatable. This idea of like a thirty thousand or forty or sixty thousand dollar thing, depending on the day of the week. Um, so satoshis. If you believe in the long term thesis of Bitcoin, they are going to be the unit that goods will be priced in inevitably. Right? You're going to buy, You're not going to buy zero point zero 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 two three uh, Bitcoin for a loaf of bread. It's going to be two hundred and thirty satoshis or whatever uh, the denomination is. So I got a DM like this is a cool design challenge. Um, and, uh, yeah, just went through the logic of how do we get to a symbol? Um, you could use, you could derive a whole number of like S forms, but the idea that I had was won't you take some of the component parts of the B. So if you, if you're listening and you envision a capital B, you have these two, um, like voids in the middle of the B. You take those and just simplify them, obviously, because you need to have something for something as ubiquitous as this, something that you can draw. So the idea that you take those two, um, those two voids in the capital B, you simplify those into a a stack of essentially two squares, and then you got to get to a point where this thing is unique. And if you can, like, if you really want to solve the problem from a design perspective, can it... Do something more than a traditional symbol for um, you know like the dollar for example doesn't it's associated with this concept of money. I think the idea of Bitcoin and this new paradigm of money and energy there's maybe a stronger story you can tell there so uh, we'll we'll throw the link to this thread in in there but you then rotate, or I then rotated these two squares and turned them into kind of two square diamonds on top of one another. And then the final piece is kind of compressed that. So it looks like an hourglass, right? So the idea that I think this long-term thesis of uh, a lot of Bitcoiners is that storing your wealth in a asset like Bitcoin really contextualizes time for you. So, a currency that is deflationary, I mean, I'm not even sure if that's an accurate way to describe it, but capped supply, let's say, um, is effectively, the longer you hold onto it, the more valuable it becomes, which is you know an inverse value proposition to uh, a currency that can be printed. And that represents how much time you're able to uh, sustain yourself or your family, right? So, If we're able to create a symbol that implies some of that quality, I think um, one, it gets people super curious about it. And you can also borrow this like ancient, effectively ancient symbol for measuring time, which is the hourglass, right? Where you have the sand in these two containers, and it would measure the speed at which sand travel from the top to the bottom. So in the same way, you would have like 69 cents. It would be the 69 in the sea the visual that I'm pointing up now, if you're not watching on YouTube is a hundred million Satoshis, which is represented by this geometric, um, this geometric hourglass. Uh, And then the final tweet is like, if you really want something like this to take off, or if you're trying to solve a design challenge, a lot of people kind of stylize this stuff, right? They go to a place of like, oh, we could put like a little edge on this thing here, or we could like make a little gap between that and that. We could be really clever with it. If you need something to work at this scale, one, it has to be obviously reproducible on a computer really easily and be able to print on a bank statement at like some ridiculously small size, but also, um, people need to be able to draw it by hand. So if you're the promise of Bitcoin, if you can run a node off a phone, a $25 phone in sub-Saharan country somewhere, then, um, you need to be able to write on the signage of like when you're selling something with a pen or like any instrument that you would use manually. So that's like trying to come at it and uh, and stress test it from all these different angles. That's where I ended up. But we'll, we'll throw a link to the thread here as well. And uh, got a couple of people that try and get it in front of someone like Jack Dorsey, who, you know, integrated it into, integrated the Bitcoin B into what is effectively the, what we call them, the most liquid, attention network on the planet a few yeah we got some good uh, retweets as well pump dan held uh you know some of the the uh, big bitcoin uh, proponents and some some good messages yeah it, again it's like it's a super hard thing to solve for and there are brands that are really trying to own some other symbols and have been in the space for a while and uh but I think like if you got something like this onto a Coinbase or a cash app, for example, you could really change user behavior, right? Buying 100 sats a day is like a decimal place and it's of, of, of fiat currency, but it's very demoralizing, I think, to look at the, like, you just bought zero point zero 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 zero. Yeah, it's like even hard to compute. Like exactly, exactly. So I think, yeah. yeah, well, like if the thesis plays out, the Bitcoin bull thesis plays out, then we're going to be pricing stuff in satoshis. And if you want to onboard people into the ecosystem early on, you have to convince them that uh, or you have to like get closer to the way they think about numerology right now. Like the typical person views anything past two decimal places as zero. It doesn't matter. Like you have to really... It's the same idea that we were talking about with the NFT stuff. It's like there are barriers to entry that if you have this maximalist mentality you're uh, you're hurting your own cause by doing this in the same way that elon makes his message accessible through like memes and stuff like that if he was posting white papers to his twitter would he have 60 million followers no chance
2: you have notification there man
1: well
0: (laughs) Hey. <laughs> um, no, we, uh, just go-
2: I just thought that's pretty funny real time, a real time <laughs> laugh about it.
0: Um, uh, I just want to add the reason I thought it was really cool, Jack. One is just because a lot of people forget you're a designer, like that's your background, obviously. And the way you think, the way you see the world in visual ways and the way you kind of problem solve that step by step, I thought it was really cool just to get that insight into your mind. And there was a couple other things you probably wrote in the tweet, but maybe you didn't mention here. One of them was like the concept of stacking sats. I don't oh, know if you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I thought was quite cool because that's also something within the Bitcoin community, you'll hear that phrase. And the way you had done it visually was like those two boxes on top of each other were like stacking on top of each other. And and then that last part you did talk about, which was the handwritten piece. That's something like, again, someone like me wouldn't think about that. Because that's really I'm just, smart.
2: Agreed? Yeah, you
0: have to think about like, what's the real world application of this and like if you just sent someone that end result and said oh here's the symbol they'll be like all right cool whatever right, like, right. yeah it looks decent but like but when you explain every single part it's it's really cool just to hear that
1: that insight well someone's uh, i i should pull up the thing i don't know if i'll be able to find this comment but have you guys been watching loki the um a lot of people talking really about
2: good, it uh, really good feedback
1: well, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find this picture, but essentially some uh some part of that storyline is um i mean let me let me just pull my screen up again some of these replies, man, geez. like people are obsessed with this thing, like the you know that thing that people used to draw in school that like s thing it's like nobody's gonna yeah, sit to and that. draw like thirty seconds like <laughs> make this thing and people like. If you haven't been in an environment where you have to solve these problems, I understand why you think that's a good suggestion, but it's not.
2: Everybody on Twitter, just has an man, it's like assholes,
1: right? Everybody's got an opinion. This is another one. It's like, yeah, very Star Trek style. But again, it's not, it's like five strokes of a pen instead of one. You know, the other one you could do without taking your pen off the page. And again, you do not think about that. Um, Love it. I was trying to find the Loki thing, but there's a... Uh, There's a scene in that film where that symbol is like um, engraved in a door and it represents some similar idea.
2: Yours? Like the similar one? Yeah, the
1: the geometric time thing. And another criticism, I wouldn't be fair to not bring this up, is um, Extinction Rebellion. You know that activist group? Uses the same symbol with a circle around it, which I think is kind of interesting that they came to the same conclusion because in a weird way... The thesis of the two communities is similar, right? But they're just arguing about the uh, they're arguing about the reason for trying to save the world. Do you know what I mean?
2: Well, what are, can you can you walk us through the extinction extinction rebellion thesis?
1: Yeah, extinction rebellion is like climate change is going to kill us all. We got fifteen minutes before we're all going to be eviscerated by climate change, right? So here's a a symbol that represents time. Whereas I think Bitcoin is like we have to shift the behavior of human beings to think about long-term consequences of their actions. And if you change the monetary system, that changes the incentive system. And that will, you know, in effect, create a much more stable environment for us to live in. So, you know, different, different inspiration. I'm sure anybody who's like listened to this affiliated with either group is like furious yeah. right now, but I yeah. think there's some shared ground there.
2: Well, how about this is a, uh... Man, if there's just only one person in the world right now that was trying to build a sustainable energy system and finding a second planet for us to go live on in case we're all extinct, well, can, can somebody? Can we find somebody?
1: Well, well, have to, well yeah, yeah. Maybe you could. Uh, could we tweet, tweet it? Out. Maybe we could put that photo. Fo- Maybe we could put the symbol as a tattoo on the photo of them having lunch <laughs> together, and we can get him to look at it. We'll figure out a way.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. The, the last thing I had is I totally forgot to mention it was a. So I, I did that thread with the photo of Bezos and Musk. So that's from a 2008 economics workshop. So it's actually not even from the real meal they had. The real meal they had was in 2004 in like some bar in uh, Seattle. But uh, yeah, Elon's reply was, and now he can bench a rhino referring to
0: Jeff Bezos. <laughs> who is, bro, Incredible. Bezos incredible.
2: is like, you know the- Stack. Famous- Talking of so
0: yeah. 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 stacking sets. He's been stacking something.
2: But here's the thing. Like, remember that photo of him at the Sun Valley conference or the Allen conference in Sun Valley, uh, the famous one with him, the vest and the Jack look. He's way more jacked now. That's like two, three years ago. Oh, really? The dude's put on some weight, man. He's like, he's, he's going Dr. Sick. Dre
0: level, man. Remember when yeah, Dr. Dre just like, oh turned up with God. one God. big neck? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that pic, I was like, is that Dr. Dre? He's big head. Like, I think,
2: I'll, 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 one more thing we totally Go forgot on. to do. it. We had this whole list, and remember how we were talk, supposed to talk about Chappelle on Rogan? I know. So
0: yeah, we were, that was on the I don't know didn't if you remember. List. Yeah,
2: Chappelle showed up a few years after he quit the Chappelle show, jacked. Oh right? yeah. Dude, the photos Crazy. of him going around New York, just sleeveless. And he explained on Rogan why he did it. He was just so sick and tired of the headlines saying that he was a crackhead who went to Africa because he's unstable. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to come back looking like freaking Terrell Owens, the wide <laughs> receiver from the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, how's a crackhead going to look like this? That's why he got jacked. I love that, man. I love that.
0: He's
1: that's he's absolutely ripped, man. I was um, just gonna add one. Like, it wouldn't be right to not mention the meme. You know the um, the Elon meme. You're not bold. You're just yeah. poor, dude. That's you.
2: <laughs> this is. Uh, we can add this for fun. No, I didn't
1: make that. That wasn't mine. Not, not oh, mine. That work. wasn't.
2: The, oh no. Uh, was
1: unfortunately, oh, true, not.
0: All right. Well. All right, uh, boys. Anything else, boys. I feel we could probably wrap it up. The only thing I'd say. I don't know if we'll have time is the way we just got the genius breakdown from jack on your design mind we need Amazing. to do it for our podcast cover art at some point i don't know if we got time today yeah, we gotta to do it properly to- i'll line List up all the, ver-
1: all the versions yeah yeah maybe i'll do a thread on it and we can break it down
0: yeah the funny thing is for anyone listening who hasn't noticed it before probably have just look at your screen right now um it's the it looks like word Art 99 and, uh, like, I've shown a couple people who know me but don't know you guys w- when we're talking about it. They're like, oh, let me subscribe right now. And they'll open up their screen and they're like, is this the right one? And I'm like, yeah, yeah that one. Yeah. And I've got so used to it now. And they're like, oh, you guys really went out, went all out on the cover art. I don't and I'm think like, we should oh. should
2: change it, man. I, no, it's I, li- I love stands it. stands out so much. If you look at the, uh, if you're on Spotify, you're looking at all the different uh, thumbnails. Yeah. Dude, it, it's just like, It looks ridiculous, but in
0: a good way. And that was—I mean, we'll share this another time. But the WhatsApp group we started, which was called Three Unqualified Idiots," the original um, cover art that you made for that was something pretty similar, maybe with the paperclip, Clippy. Right, uh, right. We evolved it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, I think we could talk about the genius of that another time, and that can be its own segment. But uh, we'll save that for another one.
2: stacked, man.
1: Yeah, this yeah was thanks deep. to everyone for thanks to everyone for for uh, making it past that thumbnail too. We appreciate it.
2: <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. If that, I mean, you're talking about proof of work. Yeah. If you, you had to you had to go through some mental obstacles to justify listening to that
0: one.
1: Somebody sees it over your shoulder on the subway. Yeah, respect.
0: <laughs> oh, the, they on the, they're in on a joke, man. So yeah, uh, yeah as always, thanks for being there. And uh, if you want to hear more, you can join the telegram group in the link below we've talked about already make sure you're subscribed on spotify and youtube apple podcast whatever you listen to and we will see you next week thank you everyone peace out thank
2: you peace out